Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, Joe. Shazam! <laughs> and my other co-host, Marcus. I just learned that popping joints is farting. Yes, we. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Joe and I used to actually both have training as massage therapists earlier in our lives, mm-hmm. and uh, worked both at the same chiropractic office. Mm. And so we got the full download on how that all works. And so Marcus was popping his fingers, and we were like, "That's a joint fart. It's perfectly fine." Figured we'd. Yeah, this is this is the things we talk about on the comics podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any news you guys going on right now? Anything? Think of no. Uh, Comic-related news? 24-Hour yeah. Comic Book Day just passed. So, 24-Hour uh, Comic Book Day will have been a couple weeks ago at this point. Yeah. And so, um, if anybody is... Uh, at the time of this recording, it's the com- this coming weekend, but... <laughs> so, we're, we're excited about it right time. now. So, we're excited currently about it right now. But any uh, any of you listeners that end up doing a 24-Hour Comic, dude, send us a link, send us a pic, something like that. We would love to see it, love to post it on the site. Like, that'd be really a bunch of fun. It's uh, always the first Saturday of October every year. Yeah. Unfortunately... Joe and I are both engaged with uh, that. A, da, da, <laughs> no, we are we are otherwise uh, busy. Unfortunately, we have a friend, very dear friend, who's getting married, and so it's the bachelor party this weekend, which is going to steamroll the uh, the twenty four hour comic book day, and then the following weekend is the alternative press expo in San Francisco, and the wedding is on that weekend. So there goes that. So. It's like two of the biggest events <laughs> in the indie comics world, and my, like my best bud in the whole world's like, so I'm going to get married like right there, like on, <laughs> like on ape, like that's the best way. And what do you do? Like after somebody's already decided, hey, I'm going to get married on this day. Like there's a lot that's, of thought that's gone into that, so I can't be like, that's inconvenient for me, dude. <laughs> I know <laughs> you really want to get married, to to. but um, but I really want to try to draw a comic in 24 hours. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of comics, today we are talking about Zombie Killers by Jennifer Gosk. Now, Jennifer, we actually met at the Big Wow Comic Fest this year. It was a bunch of fun. Got to actually ran into her again at, at Stockton Con. Yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, she's really cool. At Big Wow, we actually were able to sit down and record a interview with her. So we'll go ahead and play that now. And then afterwards, we'll get into talking about the comic a little bit. I'm here with Jennifer Gosk at the Big Wow Comic Fest. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. So tell us about your comic, Zombie Killers. Zombie Killers. So it's about two girls who go on a road trip through the zombie apocalypse, and they kind of have to solve the mystery about what caused it. So do they start the road trip before the apocalypse happens, or is it like it's already apocalypse and like, let's go on a road trip? Well, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. (laughs) (laughs) So they kind of knowingly go out into the apocalypse. Yeah, pretty much. Nice, nice. nice. (laughs) So they... Are they setting out to figure it out in the first place, or is that just where the story takes them? Well, originally the story takes them um, where they're trying to find someone. Okay. And in that, they slowly start to unravel the mystery that is the zombie apocalypse. Interesting, interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for the story? The inspiration for the story, I wanted to do a comic that was based off of um, relationships between women and other people that wasn't based on sexuality. Right. So... 
Zombies are really kind of a vehicle for me to be able to do that because it puts the main characters in different situations where they, you know, they have to deal with things that they wouldn't it's have to normally. very rich literary territory. Put people in stressful situations. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So good old hero's journey type awesome. tropes going on. Awesome. I really like the art style. It's very clean. How long have you been drawing? I've been drawing since I was six or seven. I've been taking classes. Nice. So. What is your artistic process like? What medium do you use to get all the way, you know, like from start all the way to publishing the comic? Well, I usually start off with pencils just on regular old sketchbook. Right. And then I'll scan it into my computer. I have a Cintiq, uh, so then I'll just the best. digitally paint over that. Right. So. Awesome. I noticed there's a lot of like uh, splatter textures on there. It's very, very cool. Yeah. I like that. It looks good. There's a, I think it was like page 22 that really stuck out to me where there was a bunch of people like dead. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then but with like yellow around them. It was like really popped really well. It was very, oh, very thanks. cool. I like that a lot. So where can we find you on the internet? So my website is zombie-killers.net, and the webcomic is on there for free. So so the same comic that's here is also on the web? Yes. Okay, cool. So then you, you release it on the web and then compile it into an issue as well. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Cool. We'll make sure to plug you on the podcast, and we're looking forward to reading it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thanks again, Jennifer, for sitting down and spending some time at the con. I know that your table was busy, and you had lots of people chomping to the bit to talk to you and check out your comic, and really appreciate that you took a minute and, you know, let us put a mic in your face and answer our battery of questions. I find that a lot of comic book people will gladly stare at a microphone for a couple minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Although, man, I, you know, I'm not going to give any names, but recently at a convention, I came up and was talking to somebody and offered to, you know, do a interview and review the comic on the podcast. And, and man, they were just not nice about it. They were like super uptight and I mean, yeah, it was bad, you know, like really standoffish. And they were standoffish with you, Joe. Like you went and saw them and like tried to take some pictures and were talking to them about their comic and they were like super self-important and really standoffish and weird. And it's like the comic hadn't even published yet. Like it was weird. Like they were there like promoting before it even came out. They had I was some concept say, was art. Was the comic any good? Was the art any I, good? I don't, the art, was, the art was good. The art was good. But like we have no idea whether it was any good because it, it wasn't even out. It was so weird. Anyway, but Jennifer was not like that at all. And actually, I think the first two issues worth, the first like whole story arc she had there, she hooked us up with the first issue and we read it and enjoyed it so much that we actually went online and continued to read more of her comic. So for those of you that would like to follow along, you can go to zombie-killers.net. So let's go ahead and read the about page she has at zombiekillers.net. Jenny is a 3D modeler and illustrator on the side. She is currently living in the Bay Area with her boyfriend, three betta fish, and this thing. And there's a little picture of a little puppy in a pouch. His name is Louie. She grew up spending summers at art school and attending contests and county fairs. Later, she had art featured in a gallery as part of the Olympia Arts Walk Festival before leaving for university. As a student of 3D modeling, she had the opportunity to work on projects such as Look for Water, an upcoming Sundance film. She also works as a freelance artist, creating models for pioneering products on the market. Most of her spare time is spent creating illustrations and models for various comics and video game ideas. When she isn't working on a project, she likes to volunteer at the local aquarium in animal care so that she can play with baby bat rays. That's interesting. Sweet. (laughs) Hiking, scuba diving, playing video games, and having a warm cup of tea are some of her favorite pastimes. So, yeah, she she was just really a pretty damn cool person. I really enjoyed getting to meet her and hang out a little bit. Oh, there's one thing that's inaccurate on that about page, though. What, what is? Uh, according to her tweets, apparently not living with her boyfriend anymore. Oh, right, yeah, she's Living engaged. with her fiancé. Ah, congratulations, Jennifer, Yay. that's awesome. 
for a second there, I was like, was oh, this like juicy like <laughs> gossip news? Like she's now juicy available indie, for the crowds. Juicy indie comic. And if there anyone, you know, girls who make comics, watch out. Good stuff. Mm. Not enough of them out there. That's true. That's true. Well, there, yeah. Well, there needs to be more. There's always needs to be more. There's nothing. You can't have enough. Exactly. <laughs> so Zombie Killers starts with Grace Martin and Rosalind Thompson. So they're uh, they're hanging out at Grace's place, and they have been there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're getting a little restless, especially Rosalind. She's like, I'm I'm ready to be done. I don't think that we should stay here anymore. It's time to move to the city. Mm-hmm. And this is your standard zombie apocalypse situation. There's no explanation about how the zombies happened or really how long it's been going on, but it seems like it's pretty good and deep into a zombie apocalypse. There doesn't seem to be a whole heck of a lot of survivors, and the ones that are around have, well, many of them have completely lost any kind of thin veneer of civility. Mm. They've just become raiders and you know, using other people, other survivors, as if they're just cattle. Oh, it's really it, some it pretty seems messed like up people really out there. quickly, though. It doesn't seem like they're too deep into it, because... In her, well, flashback, that's true, that's true. in her flashbacks, Grace is about the same age she is now. That's true. Yeah. Still seems like a, you know, late teens sort of. I don't know, like, how much logic you want to, you want to throw into this observation being. Well, yeah. But, but they, I noticed that there's still gasoline. So there's no that's gasoline true. and they're still paying money for goods. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That's true. Getting into the second story arc, the second volume, Yeah, they actually do some purchasing and they use cash, which was interesting. So, yeah, that's actually a good way to guess how long the zombie apocalypse has been going on. It's not not too long. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, things have devolved yeah. rather quickly. Yeah. Rather quickly. It's not good. Not good at all. Those raiders were definitely little shits. Man, those guys are bastards. Yeah, so so they're they're headed off into the city to try and have access to more food and all that kind of stuff. Concerned about just running out of resources in the small town. And Rosalind's the one who really is starting the charge to try and go into the city. Yeah, she seems kind of restless. Yeah, Grace is kind of like, no, we should we should not do that. That's a bad idea. Because the city means, means more people, people and more, more people means more zombies, right? Which I think is is a fair idea. But at the same time, it does feel sort of like a classic zombie scenario, right? Like... You know, the resources we have here aren't good enough. We need to go find some more. You know, there's inevitably when you're still sort of living off of the old society and haven't created some kind of breakaway society, mm-hmm. you're 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 scavenging, you're living, you know, off of the leftovers. And so you have to move from one place to another and it's it's a great way to a great catalyst for trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well in most zombie stories, uh city equals bad, right? Like Well yeah. But inevitably, they have to do some kind of move, right? Like in most zombie stories, you start one place and then they have to get from point A to point B and that's where all the awful happens. True. So whether it's like the place that they're at all of a sudden becomes dangerous or they run into resources or they have to go try and find somebody, there's always some kind of a need to get out there and move through it, which is great because it's it's almost like an homage to the the classic zombie storylines, which I loved. I loved. I like the atmosphere in this quite a bit. Really felt like like a good zombie movie. And it wasn't trying to go way out of its way and be like, this is a whole brand new thing. You've never seen anything like this before. It's like mm-hmm. it felt very comfortable, but it had unique and interesting characters. Yeah. And this is a unique thing happening in this very... It's a familiar yeah, zombie familiar apocalypse. Story. Yeah, exactly. It's not like in the zombies are vampires also. Like it wasn't some kind of weird thing. Like you can immediately understand that what the zombies are about and... Which is brains, typically. It's mm-hmm. kind of what zombies are about. So let's go ahead and start with the story. What did you guys think of the story? The story, um, 
it goes pretty fast. That's actually, you know, one of the things that I have uh, trouble with in, in my comic book is I don't want every word bubble to be a novel. And I accidentally went the opposite direction. So my, my comic books read really, really quick. Yes, they do. And um, I found her comic book also read really, really quick. But, I mean, she she manages to get a lot of content in those 24 pages. So at point A, she situates you in, into the characters and what their status is and by the end of the book they're you know completely 180 in a different direction they they're on the move they've had drama already and the characters they've met new people they've, they've new had people. to defend themselves against raiders so i mean i don't want to give too much away but lots of stuff happens in the 24 pages it just goes really really quick so if you're a fan of really fast books then this is a good book for you well i think that one of the reasons why it reads so quickly isn't so much that there isn't a lot of story there like you're saying but that that Jennifer has a way with visual storytelling that mm-hmm. is is unique and excellent. And keeps the pacing really yeah. quick. There's really good action beats. I think one of the big things story-wise that I was impressed with regularly was that I never got bored. I never thought, okay, we'll kind of trudge through this character development because it's supposed to be there to get to the next interesting part. You know, that sounds sort of like a big macho stupid thing to say, but that... It wasn't ever like that. You know, sometimes there can be this slog, like we talk about Walking Dead and some people call Walking Dead, you know, people talking and some zombies, (laughs) you know, and this is not at all how this was. Like there were really good regular action beats. Things kept a good pace, but it didn't feel rushed. And there was even some moments for some real genuine character development between, especially between Grace and Rosalind. Mm -hmm. I think when they were first in the car and they had had a rather terse conversation earlier and Rosalind's like, hey, Grace, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, and they, they kind of resolve that a little bit. But then Grace is kind of like, I oh, don't worry about it. It's OK. And Rosalind's like, good, because I'm not good at that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they, they manage to get a really good sense of the characters, even though there's not a huge, long, like you're saying, like novels of information in there and novels of mm-hmm. reading. So would you say, like, it's not dialogue heavy? No, it's not dialogue no. heavy. But it's not oversaturated with with action either. Yeah. Like, I mean, this seems to be. It's just it, it's hard it's hard to describe because I think about like novels and you think about reading like an Anne Rice novel and it's just a, it's just work, you know, mm-hmm. or though I always harp on Watchmen because Watchmen is a job to read There's a lot there. It takes for freaking ever. It's great, but it's yeah. you got to sit there. You got you to be ready to read. There's stories within stories. Right. Story. <laughs> right. Exactly. And with this, it it's uh, it reads quickly but that's not because there's not a lot there it's just that it's really smooth i think it's not so much that it's like there's not a lot there so it just goes by quickly like it actually feels like it's smooth and it's clean and and there's there's a nice flow to things you get some character development you get some action beats you get some intrigue you get some new characters introduced and it's great like it's a really good sort of flow i think so what i would like now is if i mean because the first issue goes by like i said it's a it's a fast read I would like more background on the characters at this point. Yeah, I think that uh, – did you read You read everything that was online? Online, yeah. yeah. So the first issue ends with us actually meeting a new character, Owen Lewis. Hmm. And then Who beyond, has some pretty epic steampunk goggles. He does. He has some badass steampunk. He's kind of indulgent a little bit. Like he's got – he's like, it's the apocalypse. I'm going to wear steampunk goggles, have a, pump sh- have a pump shotgun and a badass little buggy cart thing that I'm going to run zombies over with like – yeah. Why? You know, it's like what we always He's think. living it up. He's living it up. I think a lot of us get a kick out of the idea of the, you know, a post-apocalyptic kind of genre because we think, no rules. And Owen is doing just that. <laughs> Owen's having a good time with it. He is having a good He's time. He's living the no silver lining. No more parents. No more school. 
I think that just again going back to the story, I think one of the things that I got a kick out of is that there were some really great cultural references here and there, like pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part where the Raider bad guys drive by in a VW bus. <laughs> oh, shit, the Libyans. Right. And then she's like, Jesus, it's the fucking Libyans from Back to the Future. <laughs> and then, like, for the, great. Yeah, right? That was awesome. And then, like, for the rest of the time, whenever she... This is Rosalind talking. Whenever... Because Grace gets basically taken by these raider guys, and she gets used as a decoy so they can go raid this place. And so it's so funny because... Whenever Rosalind is talking to somebody, for example, Owen, when Owen shows up, he's like, hey, what's going on? She's like, oh, my friend got taken by the Libyans. <laughs> and what's funnier is that he knows, he knows exactly, exactly what she's she, talking about. like, oh, I know those guys. They've been doing this the and Libyans, that. The Libyans, right. They shot Doc Brown. Okay. <laughs> Bastards. And I love that Grace's reaction is, what's back to the future? Oh, so sad. <laughs> so, uh, so sad. Brutal. Yeah, that's no good. I really liked Owen's car. Like, I thought that that was... Pretty freaking awesome. Dude, she did a teaser for it, like, what, four or five pages before she actually shows it? Yeah. And my my internet was loading it so fast. I'm like, where's the fucking car? Click the button. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, read this page. Quick, where's the, where's the car? I know. Well, what's funny is when somebody says, because when somebody's like, oh, I've, I've got a car. I've got something even better, you know? Because mm-hmm. I think what it was, she was like, do you have a helicopter or something? Like, how are we going to get over there really fast? And he's like, I got something even better. And so I'm thinking Humvee with, like, welded on spikes and, mm-hmm. dest- you know what I mean? Like the crazy Destructo chariots of fire shit going on, you know? Like the bus they made in, in the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yes, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and then, but, but it turns out that he's got this, like, badass open wheel, like, cart thing that yeah, just, just rips. Yeah, dune buggy. Yeah, it's awesome. I liked the, the surprise. That was good. Anytime I can ever put in like uh, a cliffhanger at the end of a page so that they can turn the page and get a big like, yay, that happened. I definitely throw it in there. Yeah, there oh. were a couple of really good shots in here, like really, really good shots. Any other thoughts you guys want to have about the have about the story stuff? In general, I'm, I'm curious about how her zombie world is going to evolve, uh, specifically because of the cash thing. That that was really interesting to me that they're still paying money for goods. And yeah, the guy was watching the store it's and watching kind them. of thing. Yeah, and there was someone actually watching the store and the merchandise. And at the same hand, there's also people that are looting the same time. Well, yeah, but that was sort of in the suburban areas. And then you get into the city and there's this guy who's like got a gun and is hanging out and has his own little general store. Yeah. But then again, you know, who knows? It's a zombie apocalypse. Who knows if he even owns any of that stuff or if he just came in and he's like, mine now. I think I think the last couple of things that I want to say about the story that I think are just great is the two interludes in between the first volume and the second volume. Ballad of Tim. Well, the Ballad of Tim, yes. But before that, there's a bit where Grace, Rosalind, and Owen are in the car, in the buggy, driving towards the city out of the suburbs. We can't call these things zombies. Right, like, what are we going to call these things? We can't Mm -hmm. call them zombies. Hold on, we'll pull the page up. So they're all driving in the buggy, and Owen's like, we need a better name than zombie for those things. And then this, I love this, Rosalind's like, really? But, like, that's... That word was made for those things because <laughs> that cracks me up so much of the time you see in zombie fiction, they have all these different names for them, you know, and I just think that that was great. Like every time that happens, I'm thinking to myself, if this is our world. This is supposed to be happening in. We have a word for this. <laughs> why, well, why is it that it has to be walkers or what, what other things you prefer for it? Gimps? Uh, Zeeks. Zeeks, right? Zeeks, yeah. Zeds. Biters. Right. Shufflers. So then Grace comes in. She's like, zombie is kind of overused. What if we call them something like groaners? 
And they're like, nah, not descriptive enough. Plus, most of them don't have vocal cords anymore. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that was that was going to be it. They were just going to kind of take a little pot shot at uh, The Walking Dead. Then the next page drives it home. Owen's like, biters? Question mark. Grace is formerly deceased. And then Rosalind goes, how about The Walking Dead? And then as they all drive off, they go, nah. I love it. Good times. <laughs> I laughed right out loud when I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. But so then, like you were saying, Joe, then there's the other interlude, which is pure freaking magic. Jim. Yeah. The hymn of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really and truly great. It's a, Honestly, that part of it was a true... It, it showed her ability to do storytelling because there's no dialogue. No, zero dialogue. Yeah. And it, the entire thing reads perfectly clean. So oh, yeah, it's very clear what's going on. Yeah. Facial expressions, body language. Gas station attendant doesn't know what's going on. Turns around, sees holy shit zombies. Well, it seems like he's been living there for a while, though. So wait, so Joe, you're saying that you got something different from that. Like you thought that it was way before the apocalypse? Not before, but early on, or at least this dude had just not been paying attention <laughs> to all the zombies outside. Well, it had been in a remote enough area that just didn't notice that no one had come into his shop for like three, four weeks. Huh. I got the sense that he had been kind of camping out in yeah. the shop and then he like runs out of runs out of food or has to go outside for something and... No, because he's sitting there next to the window, and all of a sudden, one of them's on the window. Oh, and he's kind of surprised. Yeah. That's well, true. and someone got attacked outside, too. And I'm thinking, if you're far enough into a zombie apocalypse, people aren't going to be easily surprised and attacked like that, too. That's true. But then at the end, he his ass gets ran over by Owen in his little buggy. This could be an, uh, an inclination how far we are into the apocalypse, though. Uh, that that's that true. could be our answer. That's true. The question that we posed earlier, how far are they into the apocalypse? Well, either way, I really had a kick out of that. Like oh, as yeah. I was as I was reading through it, I'm like, okay, cool, and and then all of a sudden the art style kind of sort of totally changes, yeah, and it becomes like all like pink tones, and Tim is like he's much more sort of like simplified drawing and very gestural, but still very expressive. Yeah, and I'm just reading through definitely. it, I'm like the like the ballad of Tim, a hymn of the apocalypse. Like I want the shirt, I want a <laughs> shirt. I would wear a pink shirt with. Tim on the on the cover from that that first page that says the ballad of Tim, <laughs> a so, hymn of the apocalypse. I'm like yes, I want that shirt. That would be pretty bad. It'd be a great shirt. I sport that. Jennifer, you can make fifteen dollars from John like now. Yes, go <laughs> go go to Zazzle and for to make shirt for John. I will make. I will purchase. There you go. That would be awesome. I would totally wear that shirt. Yes, actually, yes. I'm gonna go on record right now, Jennifer. Please make that shirt. That shirt would be so rad. There is or a 15 poster. bucks just waiting for you. <laughs> you know, I'd get one too. Yeah, dude, it's a great, it's a great picture. There's thirty dollars waiting for you. It's happening. <laughs> Come on, Marcus. There's forty five dollars. Right, there you waiting go. There you go. You. That's it. So you feel complete about talking about the story? I mean, I just want to say that uh, anyone who is brave enough to go into the zombie apocalypse genre. Because, I mean, it's not even horror anymore because there's so much zombie stuff out there that zombie is pretty super saturated right now. Mm -hmm. In its own. And, I mean, anyone who's brave enough to go into those waters and make their own thing, kudos. It's like, it's it's not an easy thing to do because there's so much mythology that's already grounded in all the films and all of the literature and all the other comic books. I mean, Crossed is a big thing right now. And I don't really enjoy that book at all. Well, I mean, I have to admit, when we came up to the booth and I saw zombie killers, I thought, oh boy, here we go, another zombie comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I flipped through the first issue and really liked the art style and had a really good conversation with Jennifer and was like, this sounds really interesting. Like, this sounds like it's a different take on things. And- yeah, it is. And it's real hard to be original 
in the zombie genre too. Yeah. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I feel like the market is really so kind of oversaturated with zombie stuff and you know, it just seemed kind of kind of like, oh boy, here we go. But it's great. Like I really, I really enjoy the heck out of the story. And I, you know, it's not a lot has happened in the story. Like as far as, you know, on paper, like if this, then this, and then they went here and did that. It's like, it's been a whole lot more kind of action and world building and character mm-hmm. development and everything like that. But they're staged to do some really interesting stuff and they're in a city. And so that opens up all kinds of, you know, literary opportunities and stuff. And I'm excited to see what comes next. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, it's, it's a study on the characters and how they behave because I know that there's a comic book already out there called Fanboys vs. the Zombies, but yeah. it felt like, like, a, like a fangirl zombie story. Like, it sure, had sure. that very, very, like, geeky sort Relatable. of. Relatable. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't she have, like, a homemade bazooka in the first Yeah, it seems kind of like a like a mortar kind of thing that she uses to just explode a zombie right in the beginning, which is a good segue into the art. We're going to go ahead and take a quick musical break, and when we get back, we'll continue our conversation about zombie killers. Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. Talking about Zombie Killers by Jennifer Gosk. So let's mm. we start talking about the art of zombie killers. It, the first thing I have on my notes here is an excellent first page. Lots of guts and explosions with just this maniac, maniacal look on Grace <laughs> Martin's face. She just has what only I can assume is some kind of a mortar or something mm-hmm. explosive or something because she's got this gun and she's just grinning with her foot on the on the top of the roof just <laughs> just blew the shit out of a zombie. I love how it reminds me of this old game called Triad on the computer like forever ago like in elementary school for me which was way a long time ago. And when you would blow somebody up with a rocket launcher like an eyeball would shoot at the screen. Because for some reason, whenever you blow people up, an eyeball, eyeball always remember like the eyeballs survive, and then if they go flying, like everything else explodes. But eyeballs are hearty, evidently. <laughs> yeah, so I just I thought that scene was completely great. I really like the uh, like spattered ink techniques she used um, in a lot of the backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, the the texturing in the backgrounds. There's yeah. only there's only one frame where I thought that that it kind of hurt it when uh, the protagonist is falling into the back of the car, and mm. she's batters it red upwards and it makes it look looks like she's bleeding. And I don't oh, think that yeah. was the intent at all. Um, but it's an, it's an accidental. No, she uses that, I think, to kind of indicate pain. And if it were a little bit more subtle. Oh, kind of like a video game or something, yeah. right? Yeah. That's if okay. it were a little okay. bit more subtle, it would work. But the splatter technique does make it look a little bit yeah. too much like blood. And Honestly, it was red, too. So. Yeah. Honestly, I, I like the splattered look, but I wish that it was maybe a little more understated. I think that it's getting to where the point where, I mean, to be fair, we do look into a lot of indie comics, a lot of web comics, and yeah. dude, there's so many textures that are used, and unless it's done really tastefully, it's getting to the point where it's kind of like, enough, please. Hmm. And so, I mean, I would say that the spatter kind of airbrush effect 
was a little a little overused, I think. But there's some pages that like that produces such oh. beautiful art. Like Whoa, the, the there's page some pages when, that works uh, really well. Yeah, she's climbing on top of the coffee hut, mm-hmm. the uh, brouhaha coffee hut. <laughs> it's a really really gorgeous frame, and I think it's a lot because of, of the techniques she used in the background. Well, I think that one of the reasons why it works so well in this comic is that the characters are kind of that iconic, simplified, cartoony style. And, you know, instead of having a highly detailed background, it's like a busy background, I guess, even though there's not a lot of like actual detail as far as the buildings and the houses and the textures and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's like there's there's still you can tell what's going on in the background, but that splatter effect kind of lets the background be distinctly busier than the foreground where the characters are. And the characters never have that splatter effect on them, really. Now, I thought that in issue one. When I saw issue one, I, I did notice it didn't seem like there was a lot of detail in the background. But the first page, issue two, she stepped it up. Did you guys notice that Big when time. it shows the apartments, there's a lot more detail in there? And, and the backgrounds hmm. the backgrounds seem kind of like, you know, almost sort of like squiggly lines, sort of like unruled. And by unruled, I mean like not using a ruler or, you mm-hmm. know. And not like meticulously carefully drawn, especially in the first issue, although the coffee shop looked really good and some of the other stuff looked really good. And so it's just kind of like some of the stuff that was in the background that obviously wasn't like the most important thing to get across what's going on was understated. But you're right. That first scene where she's in the second volume where Grace is standing like on this balcony on the side of a building. It's great because instead of it being like this detailed fire escape, it's the silhouette of the fire escape. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you don't actually have any black lines at all describing anything. There's nothing, hash, no hash marks or textures or anything like that. But there's this just gorgeous, really carefully made silhouette of the whole thing. And she's just leaning up against it like, you know, like normal. And it's this like deep kind of crimson color. It just looks really awesome. Like immediately, which is great to see whenever you see somebody go through kind of a transition, like they transition from the first book to the second book or the first story arc to the second story arc. There's some kind of a big change and they come out and that first page is like, oh, snap, man, this is stepping up the game. Like that's really awesome. Now shit got real. Yeah, exactly. And it's great because this is very much how the webcomic world works is a lot of the time it's somebody's sort of earlier efforts and there's a lot of growing artistically writing wise Mm -hmm. that happens in that. And that's very very clear here when you get into volume two it's like dang like what a big difference it's so much improvement not that it was bad at all in the first place but it's just awesome to see to see what's already good get more and more polished yeah that's one thing i was really impressed with even in the first couple pages she avoided the the weird deforming thing that so many simpler type comics get oh yeah you know when the arms well, it's not supposed to really bend that way, but it's cartoony, so it kind of gets away with it. She didn't have any of that. That is one thing I think that was so impressive artistically. The poses of the characters were so natural. Yes. It reminds me of the difference, like when you're playing a video game, when something was sort of stiffly animated years ago, or now they have that motion capture technology where it, it is exactly as somebody would be moving, and you get all those sort of subtle kind of awkward tweaks and you know one shoulder's a little higher you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. all those sort of subtleties of pose and movement well that comes through here so my guess is that there was a lot of reference that was used Hmm. for the poses because the poses were very natural looking well even when you look at like the libyan's car the Mm -hmm. the van you you can tell that that's that was yeah that's an accurate van and you you knew what it was like obviously it's a van because it was drawn from reference there there was one point when um it's not a thing of reference i guess it's it's more uh content when Owen uses the right uh, the shotgun, he has shotguns. They're very clearly shotguns. 
and he they hear the bang, bang, bang. It's single shots. Now I'm not a gun expert, but <laughs> shotguns don't make single shots, right? Shotguns have a spread of fire. Well, yeah, but you mean like the sound effect? No, 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 no. There's a clear bullet hole for each zombie that he shoots. Oh, and that's not the way shotguns. Well, it could be a slug. It could be a slug, and it depends on the size of the shotgun. Okay, so you guys smaller, can educate yeah. me on guns. Cause... Smaller shotguns will have a smaller spread, and there's different types of ammunition you can get to. You yeah, know, there's raise kind of a wide reduce. range of shotgun stuff, but I mean, yeah, you could in theory have a shotgun that shoots slug that puts a good size hole, but it's just one hole. It's not a spread. Mm. Okay, yeah. I'm educated. Good job, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, but even, you made me smarter. Even that would do a lot more damage than one, you know, bullet hole. Sure, sure, sure. That that would have taken off a head. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Slugs hit hard. Well, you know, going back to the observation about how natural the poses were, I would say that bolstering that really just the great character poses, I think also there's some really dynamic camera angles, like really good like framing yeah. and layout in this, right? Like no, definitely. Surprisingly so. Because a lot of the time on web comics, especially comics that are done in the more kind of cartoony, iconic style where there's not a huge amount of detail or realism put in the characters, even if they're really, really well-developed and good characters and have a good silhouettes and they're distinct, just like these characters are, a lot of the time, you know, shortcuts are taken as far as poses and, you know, things can be a little bit like, like more than just the character designs themselves are simple. It's like the, the layout's a little more repetitive. The backgrounds are underdone sometimes. The camera angles aren't as ambitious, you know, and there's some ambitious freaking camera angles in this. There's mm. some low shots, some high shots, some really interesting looking scenes that like are like, man, I want that on a poster. Like, that's really neat. Yeah, there's one where they're in that shop and it's looking through a shelving set to Owen. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Did you guys notice on page 13 that uh, when it was Grace and Rosalind in the car and Rosalind's talking and she's in the foreground and Grace is in the background and Grace's character is, I don't know, almost want to say just like gestural or something. Like there's like there's way a lot of details pulled out of the character. But it's like on purpose. It looks really good. It almost has this sort of like it's dramatically simplified. Like there's no nose. There's no glasses detail, you know, much less detail in the lips or anything like that. It's it's almost like the kind of things you would tend to pull down in like a Japanese manga or something when you make a, like a super deformed or chibi character. Hmm. You know, you remove the nose, you simplify the lips to a line instead of actually showing like lips. It was those sort of details were pulled out. And it's cool because a lot of the time you see things in the foreground, which are typically the characters, having the normal amount of detail that they have. And in the background, things are understated to make the characters pop against it. But because this frame is focusing on Rosalind with Grace in the background, Grace becomes kind of part of the background. It's, she takes on, the character takes on that kind of a understated, less detailed, sort of faded into the background look, which I thought was like really kind of bold and really cool. Like I like that a lot. that one. Yeah, it was it's it's a, it was something I found when I was reading back through it again. And I thought like, wow, that's really neat. I mean, that's 13 pages into the comic. Like it was awesome. Now, speaking of that particular couple of scenes, did anyone else catch the wrecked car was her brother? No. No. And the zombie crawling out that she stares down. No, is that her brother? How did you tell? I think just kind of got the feeling. I got the feeling because that's like a big emotional like, oh, you motherfucker. 
There was one frame that I remember uh, not knowing what it was. It was the only artistic one that I, I kind of was like, I wish this was rendered a little better because I can't tell exactly what's happening. When Grace is getting her revenge on the Libyans and they say, hurry up because we have to go. And then I see him crashing the car into someone and then it shows uh, a sliced frame with like mid torso on a zombie and there's a circular object next to her and it says crack that I don't really know what's going on there. You know, I think I remember that too. Yeah, I'm looking at the page right here and it is a little unclear what it is. I mean, I almost want to say just because of the way that the frames are laid out and the previous frame is Owen in the car yelling like, sure, but don't take too long. It looks like he's like running into a zombie. And so maybe, I don't know, it's like a headlight or something like that, but it, it's not real clear what it is. You're right. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is that I, I wouldn't normally nitpick, but I, because I know she can use artistic reference to draw that beautiful van the Libyans are in, I yeah. know that she could do that more successfully. There's just one scene that I wanted to point out. It's uh, page 29 and... It's when she's climbing up on the, the brouhaha coffee station thing, like a little caffeino deal, right? Yeah. And on the bottom, right, it's got this the gorgeous splattered background that are these like warm to cool tones, warm on the right, cool on the left. And, and all these zombies are coming after her and all the zombies are silhouetted except for their eyes and their mouths to kind of focus on their them like coming after her and their mm-hmm. hunger. But everything else, it's just this silhouette. And then it's her jumping up onto the coffee hut off of a trash can and there's this great kind of like zigzag action symbol right next to it and this is clang and it's just it's this great scene it's just this i mean don't you think like this beautiful oh, yeah that's the one that i was mentioning earlier like right. the, the artwork it's so good you know the use of the the splatter effect i, I feel like is really successful in, in very certain frames yeah that's the shining example one right there oh totally i think the final thing about the art i want to say before we wrap up did you guys notice how a lot of the time the zombies were in gray tones and the only thing that was color was the blood on them? I did not notice that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, all over yeah. the place. The zombies, especially when they're in big hordes, right? There's a lot of detail on zombies when it's just a couple of them. But when it's a big fat group coming, instead of you know renting all the colors and all the different clothes and stuff, I think it helps the zombies feel like this kind of just this mass coming at you. And the only thing that you see is this, this mass of zombies and they're all this sort of gray tone. But then... If they've got gashes or wounds or there's blood on their mouth or whatever, or their eyes are missing or all kinds of whatever kind of damage they're taking, there's actual blood rendered on all those spots. But everything else is actually gray tone. And I thought that was so awesome. And it showed up one time and I thought, that's awesome. And then it kept showing up. It was like this thing that she kept doing, especially when these big groups are going on. It was a really like a very cool artistic direction choice. I think to make all of the zombies gray toned and then only use color for the blood is a, is a conscious decision. I don't think that's oh. something that she might have done on accident. Oh, no, it's, no, no, it's so very slick. much a conscious decision. And the fact that I didn't notice it to me means she did it successfully. Oh, very. Because yeah. she was able to con- convey a feel to me that like I knew those were zombies because of what she had done. But I didn't know how she did it until you pointed it out to me. <laughs> right. To me, that's like that's oh, she took a success. Pulled past the Pulled back the curtain, JP. I know, you totally <laughs> did. Oh, I'm sorry. You're like that special on TV, how the magic tricks are done. It's just, it's never the <laughs> same ever again. ruining everything. Sorry, exactly. Guys. I'll stop reading so carefully in the future and just be like, it was pretty good. And that's all I have to say. Done. 30 second podcast. <laughs> and then I'll just really, really, really enjoy them and not ever have a clue what's going on, why I enjoy them so much. <laughs> oh, phew. Well, I'm so glad that we took some time to read through Zombie Killers. Jennifer, your comic is a bunch of fun. I think we can all kind of across the board recommend it. It's Absolutely. really good reading. Make sure to go and read Zombie Killers at zombie-killers.net. Follow Jennifer on Twitter at ZK underscore comic. 
And on Facebook, just search for zombie killers. That's zombie hyphen killers there as well. And actually on the zombie killers website, she has a little shop there and you can actually purchase a signed copy of the first issue. Sweet. So that's kind of awesome. A lot of the time you can purchase stuff like that, but pretty rarely is it like signed copies. Like that's rad. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time and talking to us at Big Wow. We had a bunch of fun meeting you there. We really enjoyed your comic. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I think that's about it. So thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife.panamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. We'll see you next time. Read comics. Dibs on the cute chick with the fedora. Nice.